My name is Dion. I'm Nate, and welcome to the NZT Podcast. Hey guys, today we're going to be talking about a book called Unshakable, written by Tony Robbins. Uh, it's basically an essential Sparknotes book for Money Master the Game. It's a very condensed and simplified version of this book, written by also Tony Robbins, but um, definitely a book worth reading. Um, so how did you feel about the book this time around? I thought it was a pretty good guide for how to achieve financial freedom. Um, I really wish that I started reading it earlier, uh, or I found out a book this about this book earlier in my life, just because um, a lot of the book just uses examples from if you start earlier, the more money you can make because it compounds on itself, and it gives a, a ton of examples on um, how just putting in a little bit of money every month will help you during your retirement and when you're older you can make a massive amount of money just by putting a little bit of money in yeah i also agree with that it's also kind of like the story of my life like i always wish i always it's basically a catchphrase now where i always wish i was told or learned this or read this or did something way way earlier but it's better late than never um and i would say that yeah like long-term investments over time compound uh, like after it compounds it, it's tremendous on how how much you can increase over like 20 30 years and you're only putting in like minimal amounts of money you don't have to have a lot to be put aside 300 a month 200 whatever like percentage wise you can break it down for every paycheck and over the years you'll just see it accumulate to a massive amount um and uh, a favorite quote of mine was from uh, albert einstein where he said uh the greatest invention in the world was compound interest so if the smartest man uh, at that time and era, I already knew that compound interest is what's the best invention in today's world, and it's still a continuation of it to now. It just shows how much it's really worth. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what did you, what would you say are the core principles, or what did you feel like were the core principles of this book? I thought the core principles were um, mostly not being afraid of getting into the stock market um, or investing in anything. It's it, it talks a lot about how like most people are just scared to get in because they don't know how to start, and yeah, doing something that you don't know is very very scary because this is your life savings like you you work so hard at your nine-to-five job to potentially lose it all but even if you can even if you have the chance to lose it all it would still be worth it because at the end of the day if you if you aren't making money with your money you're just losing money basically your cash if you hold cash on hand your money's essentially devaluing because because of just inflation so at least putting it in a very safe um safe investment account will will actually keep your money level with the current like current market um they talk a lot about how the market has crashed in the past but if you look at the market today uh it's stronger than it ever has been ever so essentially, even though it does crash at some points, it will always come back. And, and 
he Tony Robbins puts a lot of emphasis on how when the market crashes, it just means that everything in the market is on sale. And he uses an example of buying a Ferrari. He's like, imagine buying a Ferrari for 80% off. That's basically what you're doing when you're buying when the market crashes. You're buying stocks for 80% off, basically. And and history has shown that the market will always come back, no matter what. Yeah, like I do agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like, it's it's hard to, uh, I guess, your emotions back, which is one of the bigger things that they do kind of briefly go over is where uh, you need to like, ground yourself and make sure that if you're going to go into this and you see it going down to not get emotional and pull the trigger and potentially lose your 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 money or you could have made more potentially more of like setting your the, the goals that you wanted to set in prior to going into the market and sticking to the plan no matter what the situation is um and to a certain extent uh, just to have some faith and be unshakable what book's mainly about um on top of that i do believe that the it's really really driven that i wish i knew this prior to you know, investing when I was like at 20 or 21. Uh, and it wasn't even me investing, going to like a bank and, you know, do the whole, go to a mutual fund or financial advisor, go into mutual funds and let them manage your account, thinking that you get a good return based on the experts that are giving you the advice and having them say, hey, yeah, you made this money or this is the percentage you're up this year. But in reality, what they don't tell you, which is what I think the core of the book is trying to drive is long-term investment, minimizing fees, uh, you know, Try to stay diversified as much as possible and to minimize your taxes so you're not losing all the capital gain. Um, and when I say this is that with mutual funds, with my experience, um, I was with uh, TD Bank and I had a financial advisor manage my account for about two to three years. And yes, he was promising a certain percentage at the time. I think it was like two, three percent for the account. Um, and I'm always putting in money monthly. And I thought he was doing well considering that it was on a positive and he did promise to get me a certain percentage, which he did. And at times he got me a little bit higher per month. Uh, but what I didn't realize was the fees that came with it. So even with all this money that potentially I'm making, the fees counteract that. And then I basically barely made a profit, if not broke even. Um, and after finding that out, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go off on my own and try and learn this on my own. And it made a huge difference because whatever money you put in, they're leveraging your money to make money for themselves while earn you a certain percentage that they promise. Whereas if you're able to learn this stuff on your own, you get 100% of the profits. Yes, you do take 100% of the losses, but a great quote from the book was, uh, when a person with experience meets a person with money, the person with experience ends up with the money and the person with money ends up with experience. So that really drove me home to be like, you know what? It's not a lose situation because even if I'm losing, I'm winning because I'm understanding the market and I'm learning. I just have to make sure that I'm okay with learning, losing this money and taking that as a learning cost. Yeah, the thing is with mutual funds, um, this is from the book as well, you are still paying 100% of the risk regardless of how much you get back. So they use a specific example. You're paying 100% of the risk for only 30% of the profit after you pay fees and then whatever. Basically, I think the average return was, what, 5%? And you're paying like 3 to 4% in fees. So you're basically coming out with 1% in profit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Which, that's like pretty accurate to how what, what I came up to having personal experience. 
Yeah, me too, man. Like, I, I think everybody, like, I remember in high school, like, you know, your parents bring you to the bank or whatever, and and you talk to someone, and you have literally no idea what was going on. I really wish they would teach something like this in high school. Like, like I don't, I don't know why they don't teach how to do taxes and how to save money in high school. I feel like it would be a very important um skill to have for the rest of your life and and like the like you know the book is saying you you should start as early as possible and high school would pretty much be as early as possible um but maybe they think that if you put your money in investing if you put your money investing something you have a potential chance of losing it all um but i don't i don't think that the downside is that high especially when you're very young because you can uh, you can take a lot of risk when you're young. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. You can you can afford the loss because you're young enough to have you know all this money accumulate over time, regardless if it's in terms of setting aside and making money or working for it yourself. And you don't have any obligations for bills, mortgages, all that other stuff. So I, I 100% agree. Like you can afford the risk. Um, and I do also agree. And I do have a problem with the school education system. And I feel like you're starting to. <laughs> <laughs> drive it more because like i remember going through high school like you and i what was it planning 10 and, and uh grad transition 12 those are the only two things that you're mandatory to take throughout uh high school for us in vancouver here and they basically planning 10 was just to like basically do a, like a minor budget okay like these are your expenses and how much you're actually making and what would you think your expenses will be in the future and then to kind of plan for that but like grade 10 you're like okay well this is like what do we think is our expensive? It's like, we don't really have much. Like everything's taking care of us. For Lunch us. money. <laughs> so, so, exactly. So like, like at the time, at grade 10, how many people are really working, right? Everyone's trying to study, you know, do well in school, get a good job. That kind of mentality was always driven to like us as kids. So not many of us were working at that time. So to even have an income, you're thinking, well, I don't even know, like how many hours would I be working? I don't even have a realistic plan here. So you just submit it half-assed and, then you look at it and they just be like, yeah, good enough. Like, whatever, you passed. I'm like, cool. And it was only like, what, for like a month? Like, Dude, I don't even, like, what you're talking about right now, I literally do not remember any of what you're saying right now. <laughs> like, like, that's just... how bad it is, though, because, <laughs> like, these were two mandatory things you would have to take in order to graduate. And grad transition was basically getting volunteer hours so that it can, like, show that, hey, you're making your way towards you know, responsible it's like the same thing. Whatever you did in planning 10, you did the same thing in grad transition 12, but you had to have volunteer hours on top of it and to sh- like have a more realistic like plan. It's essentially what it was. And I, I'm like, I, no one's going to think about that stuff. Like that grade, grade 10, grade 12. You know what I mean? You're just thinking about high school's like your world. You got to focus on like drama in high school, (laughs) join the sports club, do whatever you got to do in high school to fit in, whatever, right? Like those aren't your priorities. Well, in high school, you think you're smarter than everybody else, but (laughs) yeah. I definitely thought so too. Yeah, hell yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know teach the teacher. I teach myself. I barely pass my exams. I'm like, all right, maybe I do need some help, but I'm getting by, so Uh, who needs needs the help? Yeah, I think I think the education system is more about um, you know following that path that the previous generation went on, where it's oh you you go to high school you get good grades you go to college university you get good grades and then you come out and you get a good job, and then you work your nine to five and then you 
die after 35 years and <laughs> rot away. Okay, no, I mean, I, I, I meant to say retire. <laughs> uh, you retire after 35 years and then you die. <laughs> but I think, I think that's what like most of the, the path was for, for that generation. Right. Um, but now I feel like it's, it's kind of changing where everyone needs to be more independent and everyone's trying to figure out another way to essentially make money. And I mean, this book is basically telling you that you can be financially free without like having to just work your nine to five job and trying to make as much money as possible there, like working yourself to death basically when you could like be investing in things and be, feel secure and have peace of mind rather than, oh, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Oh, I got to pay my mortgage. Oh, I got to pay this bill. And then at the end of the day, like, what do you end up with? Like, what if you don't have a, a pension? Um, like, if you don't have a pension, then you got to put away money somewhere and and then you, you have to end up spending it. But, like, what if you put it in a savings account? You're basically not making money in in, in that savings account. So instead, with that money that you put aside for when you retire, you can actually invest it and then basically compound, compound that money and make way more money than you would have. Yeah, 100%. That. Um, I, feel like, I feel like on top of that, though, it's like what people don't understand is that, you know, like when you make a certain amount of money and then you always have to think, of, oh, you got to pay the bills, you got to pay the bills, you got to pay the bills. Like those are the biggest concerns, right? But what I realized with these financial books is that you you need to start learning to pay yourself first, then pay these bills. So with that kind of mindset, you'll always have a certain amount of money set aside for yourself that you promise, hey, I worked this job, I got all this money, I'm going to pay myself a certain amount. And paying yourself meaning that you're going to pay yourself into an account where you're not going to touch. And then you deal with the rest of the bills after the fact. So if you're... If you're taking, say, hey, my goal is to pay myself 20% per paycheck, and that's what you're saying for that year, then you pay yourself 20%, you don't touch it the entire year. And then after that 20% has been taken away out of your paycheck, then all that rest of the money can go to the bills and whatever kind of expenses and things that you want to buy for yourself after that. I think that if you have that understanding at a younger age, then you'll be way more successful, and that's more of the on-route journey towards being financially free yeah I and think financially free doesn't necessarily mean like you know money or like worry of money like it's not like the goal but it's like stepping someone towards the right direction i feel yeah i think a lot of people take um paying yourself as oh i'm gonna buy myself uh, like a, a new iphone <laughs> and then and it's like so i can enjoy this new iphone rather than paying yourself like as in put this away for your future so you can like your future will be happier rather than rather than getting that um that gratification that instant gratification where where you just feel happy with your new toy or like buying a car or whatever right like like buying a car is essentially the big waste of money <laughs> yeah <laughs> in, in short it, it kind of is it's not it's nothing it's not an asset at all. It's always going to be a liability because you're always having put, having to put money towards it. Versus, whereas it, whether it be gas, insurance, maintenance, or just your your car bill overall, like your your loan you got to pay off per month, 
the moment you buy that car, especially if it's brand new, it already loses value once it's driven off the lot. On top of that, it's always going to have money towards it. And yeah, it, I mean, it's essential because you need to get around to go to your job or, you know, go around, do the things that you need to get done for daily necessities and essentials. But at the, at the end of the day, it's 100% a liability. And if you understand that, then you're way ahead of uh, a lot of people because a lot of people just like to buy like the newest car off the lot and like, just, like you know, look a type, look and feel a certain way. Because, you know, you can buy the nicest car and feel a certain type of way for sure but you're paying for that feeling as well. And then you got to really reflect and sit back and be like, you know what, is this worth the money? Is it worth it? Because who am I trying to impress? Am I trying to impress other people? Am I trying to impress myself, my family members? And then you got to ask yourself, does that stuff really mean that much to yourself or to you? Like, why does that, and then why does that matter, right? You got to ask these critical questions. And if you can understand that and feel like, you know what, if you can take a step back and understand that materialistic things today aren't as glorious and glamorous as it seems to be, then you can put aside money towards something that actually is going to pay off in the longer run. And if you question yourself to why all these like billionaires wear the same, like looks like it's cheap clothes. It could be even cheap clothes. I don't like, I wouldn't know I'm not a billionaire, but like <laughs> I see a lot of like people talk about this concept being like, Oh, like how come Warren Buffett and Steve jobs back or like anybody, even, um, uh, what's his name? Bill Gates. They all wore like clothes that weren't so flashy, very plain. Uh, it's because they, they knew that, Hey, like I don't need to spend all this money on fancy clothes, fancy stuff. I can reinvest and make the money back on that. And then might make money, your worker instead of you work for money. And if you can get that concept around, you're, you'll be you'll be far, far, far ahead of me. Because I, I wish I learned that at an early grade. Uh, yeah, with the clothes thing, I remember reading somewhere where um, because you make so many decisions in a day, like everything is basically a decision. Like what am I going to eat? Like where? Like how am I going to get to work? Like what am I going to do on break? When, like, you know. You just make so many decisions every day, and I think it's, like, one of those habit-hacking things where um, if you just have, like, the same clothes every day, you actually have enough or you have more brain power to focus on more important things. Because, yeah, a lot of people worry about how they dress, like, what type of person they want to be seen as. And rather than spending time thinking about that, you can actually just think about your bigger goals. And I think that's why all these, like, high-level, like, CEOs and whoever, right, they they just wear the same thing every day because it's just one less decision that they need to make in their very, very busy day. Yeah, actually, I heard about the same thing. I heard it's like, yeah, the less decisions you make, it, the easier it is for you to actually have the brain power to make the more more mentally intense, like, decisions in the in the in throughout your day. Like going to the market, selling, buying, or investing, or starting up your business and trying to do other things with it, and you need the mental capacities, you know, manage your team. It it does save you a lot of brain power, I find, and it makes sense. Like if everything becomes a habit, like the book we were talking about in the other podcast, you understand that once it becomes a habit, you don't have to think about it. It's automatic. It's like it's just routine. You don't even realize it. It's like almost instinct. Yeah, so they are, they were talking about confirmation bias. Um, I think that having too much confirmation bias for going into stock market specifically is is very 
easy to do because when you're when you invest in something you want it to do well so you just end up researching on stuff that's making or stuff that's talking about your investment doing well and that feels so good because you're like oh i'm i'm so smart i uh i invested in apple 20 years ago just to say right like if you did and then just all this good news keeps coming out right and of course that feels really really good but um tony robbins says like you should you should actually look for people who don't share the same view as you who 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 actually disagree with why you made that investment because by doing that you're actually um mitigating risk because you're learning about the downsides of your investment and of course like looking in the past is 2020 yeah if you invest in 20 if you invested in apple 20 years ago yeah of course it was a good investment in hindsight but how could you have known that 20 years ago you don't really know so i think that's where um talking to people with differing opinions very important for investments because um it just shows you where your risk is rather than just being like oh yeah i'm the smartest in the world i i I made the correct decision but you have a chance of losing it also i mean it's always good to have a second opinion no, I do agree with that. The book does try the fact that like there's multiple ways to become successful in the market today. Um, Warren Buffett does it long-term investments. Other guys take more risk or more to stocks, more to, um, what's the word, uh, currencies, which is like Forex. Um, at the end of the day, like, yeah, talking to other people, getting the opinion and making sure that you're kept grounded and you're not thinking that, you're, you know, everything makes a huge difference because that's another way of diversifying um, and understanding that there's different markets and different ways to be successful. And there's not one unique formula to like go for the stars. Um, and the last thing I want to say is like uh, this quote from Warren Buffett in the book, it, it drives a really strong point And it says, the stock market is a device for transferring money from the inpatient to the patient. And then that just shows how you have to be unshakable. Uh, wait, what this book is consistently trying to drive to understand that you got to go in with a game plan if you're going to start. Better be in the game than on the sidelines and to be patient and to understand what you're trying to do, what your goals are, and to stick with it and ultimately be successful. There'll be some losses along the way for sure. You're not going to win every single one, but you can learn from them. Yeah, for sure. Because I remember I was uh, talking to my dad about uh, investing. And then it like for me, I wasn't able to invest the last time the the big stock market crash, uh, like in 08, where like everything went down by like, what, 80% or, or something crazy like that. Um, yeah, so of course, like a lot of people lost a lot of money during that period. But the people who who like if you ha- say you had read this book before that happened i think that you would have put yourself in a really good position to make a ton of money because because basically th- this book is just telling you not to be scared of of crashes because every year the market will crash every on average the the market goes down by a certain percentage every three to four years for like it has been done that for the past hundred years but at the end of the day it's still going to end up higher so i think that that uh, the market crash of 08 they 
it scared a lot of people. And I, when I was talking to my dad, he's like, oh, yeah, like, like lost a lot. He, he's like, oh, yeah, I lost a lot of money, so I didn't want to invest. And, and he's like, oh, now it's too late. And then what happens is you get this very, like, I guess, sour taste in your mouth about this, the stock market where you end up thinking it's either too late to get in or it's too low or it, it's going to get worse. But, but that's the actually the best time to invest because you're basically getting everything on sale. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Like, just something a little bit more relatable to the current date is COVID-19. Back in March of 2020, uh, when we got announced, that's when you saw the biggest dip in a long time. Uh, and now if you look at it today, the dip has re-corrected itself and now things are sitting at its highest peak in a long time. Actually, it's been the highest. It's never the been highest, yeah. Before. Yeah, it's exactly. the highest it's ever been. So it's it's all about opportunity and being able to see it. Um, that's another thing. And it's just through experience and being aware, right? Like if you're not aware, you're never going to know. Um, and I was fortunate to learn from my mistakes in the past and kind of get into the market during this period. I was like, well, you know what? This is the perfect time. Everything's dropping down. I'm like, you know what? Based on history, I'm going to test this theory out because history teaches you a lesson. It's it's always going to repeat itself. If you're not aware of it, somehow going to kick you in the butt and tell you, hey, I've been here before. This is another <laughs> reminder. It yeah. really is. like It's called history for a reason. you got to learn from it. It's other people's mistakes that and other people's lessons are trying to like pass down to the next generation to let us know so that we're more successful because they went through it already. So why do we need to go through it is essentially the concept. So stay woke, people. <laughs> yeah, for real, eh? <laughs> yeah. For real. Um, the last question I have for you actually is what made you go into the soft market and when you started thinking about it? Uh, basically because of the whole COVID thing, um, you know, there, everyone started working less and I was like, what am I doing with my money? I need to make money <laughs> basically. Right. Like, uh, I, I, it became very apparent to me after I stopped making money from my regular job or as much money from a regular job. Um, because it's like, Oh, like, you know, you're getting a paycheck every month. You're, you're like, Oh yeah. My bank account's building, 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 building. But it's like, Oh, well, what, like, what is it doing now? And then it just got me thinking like, I, I think I need to do something else with that money than rather rather than just let it sit there because essentially that's what I was doing. I'm not proud to say that that's what I was doing, but um, that's what I was doing because you know I I I make a living. I make a good living. You know I'm I'm not like struggling, but it's it, it it's even though you're not struggling, you should still be trying to better yourself and make progress and not just be so stagnant. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I need to do and I need to do it. So I just basically, I just jumped into the start market. I just was like, okay, I'm just going to take a little bit of money and test it out because essentially you, you got to do it. Like you can spend all the time sitting there like, oh yeah, like trying to figure out the best investment. So, well, I, what I did exactly was I, I just took a, like a hundred dollars and just started putting it in random stocks or like not random, but like different stocks that I thought that would do well. And you just try it out and it's like, Oh, I made like five bucks and making $5 on a hundred dollars is still 5%. So I made a 5% increase. Right. And through that, like you can build a little bit of confidence and, and then actually jump in and dive in and figure out what you want to do. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much why um, I want to go into the market because 
I wanted to make money with my money. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, for me, it was kind of the same. It was more of like I was going to school during the period of time when COVID started. So everything was online. I was at home all the time. And it kind of like got to me because like I'm so used to being out working like 24-7 almost like seven days a week. I would just that was my my life for like two, three years. And to have it all be shut down to a halt and then go to school and the class was reduced. So it's only four hours. It, you can only watch so much Netflix, play <laughs> games. Like, you know, play basketball by yourself or with my brother. Got to a certain point, I was like, you know what? Like, I need to, like, start doing some more productive things with my life. Just try to, like, continue to learn. And uh, I remember, like, looking back in history, so, yeah, like, the OA dropped where they, they had, like, the market crash. And I was like, you know what? Like, this looks like a similar situation, and I want to just test it out. So I just put in X amount of money to think, okay, this is speculation money. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, but I'm okay with losing this money. And then as I saw it and I was able to just, you know, sit on it, review it every once in a while and then figure out, hey, you know what, like these stocks are now, you know, potentially to be uh, better to buy because I started looking to dividends. I wanted more dividend shares. So I just put a little bit of money here um, after reading like Unshakable uh, through a friend was actually recommended from us. Uh, he was saying, hey, you should look into this ETF. And I looked into that, thought it was really good because it basically mimicked the S&P 500. And they actually tell you in this book that um, VFE, which is represented as Vanguard, and the ticker is VFE, that's the ETF that actually tracks what the S&P 500 does. And I thought, okay, well, S&P 500 represents the top 500 stocks, so there's no way this thing's going to crash to zero. If it did, then that means the top 500, com uh, 500 like, companies are at like a negative. They all can't afford to run anymore. I'm like, there's no way that's going to happen. If that the world happens, would be like, over. Depressing. We're like, yeah, game over. Like, I got bigger things to worry about. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna Money's not the problem degree. anymore. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Better put on your tinfoil hat like, and fucking bunker down. Yeah, so I just thought, you know what? It just made sense. Like, just go in, try it out. If I lose, then I lost. But at least I learned from this, right? So I got my feet wet. And then now I'm reaping the rewards for it because I took an opportunity that history said, hey, like it's going to bounce back eventually. Wait for it because the economy will never die out. They'll try its best to sustain itself. And then to a certain period of time, it's going to bring it back up and thrive. Well, you just, um, the government can just print more money, right? I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a little different, but yeah, that's kind of what I've heard. I, I don't know if this is 100% true, but I heard that um, after the 08 crash, they tried to recorrect it themselves. And it, it got to a certain point where they had to print money. And that's why our Canadian dollar is actually lower than the American, is because Canada itself couldn't sustain without them printing an X amount of money before it could like now sustain the economy. Yeah, um, and, and in the past couple of months, they've printed trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. Like all the governments around the world, they just decide to print money because everybody needs stimulus checks. And Yeah, <laughs> you, you have to. You by if everyone worldwide is doing it, then it's all equal. Like it's all going to be relative. So it's not like everything is changing, right? Like yeah. today, the dollar, to Canadian dollars, yeah. US dollars, 78 cents, right? If everybody in the world printed their money, it's still going to stay the same because it's all relative. Yeah, I don't know, man. I honestly, like, I'm not too sure what the effects of that are going to be, and I'm not smart enough to even speculate <laughs> what it's gonna, what the issues are with that. But well, it's, I mean, it's going to be nuts. <laughs> I feel like it's going to happen that we're going to have to pay it back in taxes for a long time. 
or it's going to be taxes that we have to pay an increased amounts for the next few years to recover from this pandemic. Um, that's my kind of speculations. I'm nowhere near an expert. <laughs> that's going to be the case because how else are the government going to get money back? Like, I just saw they just print more. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Make There's no problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what did you think about the book as a whole? Like, um, did you like um, it? Did you, did you, would you recommend it? Yeah, honestly, I do recommend reading the book. I think it's a general guide to get your understanding of, like, okay, what the market is, learning the terms of the stock market, understanding certain concepts that, like, compound interest. Um, Things like that, if you don't already know what those are, this is a good reminder or a good guide to now drive you to the right direction. And I mean, it's a, a mini review of Money Master the Game. So if you really like this book, the next step would to read the whole book of Money Master the Game, which is like a big, big book. But I think it's worth reading. Uh, I think I might look into this book when I got some more free time to really crack down on it. But I feel like it's it just has a lot of information that not a lot of things will be able to give to you uh, in great detail. Uh, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, I would really recommend this book. Um, if you are around 20 years old or even younger, I would highly, highly, highly recommend reading this book because it will teach you a lot about what you need to do to set up your future. Um, I thought this book was actually more like uh, a very good book about your mental state um, about money, I guess, and how you should think about money rather than just thinking like, oh, money is just a piece of paper. Um, he actually goes in at the end of the book uh, talking more about what you should do um, to, to be happy, I guess. Um, he, um, being in a good mental state is... It's not just about having uh, a specific number in the bank account. At the end of the day, there's tons of billions of billionaires out there that aren't happy. And I think that uh, Tony Robbins, when he goes into that, he actually really hits the point home where you have to do what's fulfilling for yourself rather than just um, trying to make money. So he, I think with his book, he, he, he donates the money to feed children is that what it is <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah he does say that all proceeds that go from this book 100 of all the profits he makes from this book goes to a donation towards i think feeding like i i can't remember he does say it though i just can't remember who he's donating it to but it just shows that um out of his like kindness of his heart he thinks that you know what um it's one thing to make a lot of money but it's another to be able to share and provide and just overall be, uh, you know, a helpful citizen and to the world, not just to his country or to his community, but literally to the world. Yeah. And I think he, he goes around and he speaks to, he does public speaking and he talks about this book and, and then I think he wants to change your mindset on, on these things and not just trying, he's not just trying to help you make money. He's trying to help you change your mindset and i think that's really good no definitely agree with him like you like i think he's like uh, overall really good well sorry what's the word philanthropist yes cares about people yeah so uh next time we will be talking about what we took from the book and how we applied it in our lives and or we're 
yeah, how we apply it in our lives. Um, so listen to us next time. Sounds good. Catch you guys later. Bye, guys.